Let's turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13. And this was our reading last week. And we're going to read it again this evening. The Lord helping us. Matthew 13, please. And we're going to start reading from verse 24. The Lord Jesus is the speaker. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. And so the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, Didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? And he said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye to gather first the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them, to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. You know, the Lord will bless the reading of his own inspired word. Let us pray. Eternal Father, again, we thank you indeed for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you indeed for your blessed spirit and for the word of God. We thank you for every person here. So many turned out tonight. We pray, O God, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, that you would reach us, teach us, and guide us. For you have said, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go, I will guide thee with mine eye. And so, Father, we pray that for this people, for those who are watching now, live or later, we pray, Lord, a blessing on them, wherever they are, and, Lord, that you would minister there also. For those who are unable to be with us tonight for one reason or another, especially those who are ill, we ask you, God, that you, Lord, would minister health and strength and blessing to each and every one of them. Remember this wee girl, Grace Martin, Lord, and heal her from this tumor behind her eye. You are the great physician, and so we bring her to thee. Glorify your son. Glorify your name. And Lord, we pray if there's one who has come tonight that does not yet know the Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray, Lord, that you Lord, would cause the anxious thought that you would quicken their spirit and enable them to call upon the name of the Lord. Give them deciding grace. And we pray it in the name of the Lord Jesus and for his glory. Amen. Last week it was while men slept. And we took it from verse 25 of our reading, the Lord Jesus says, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Now, we're not going to do a big recap because I have so much to tell you tonight, so much to show you the Lord helping me. But we looked at briefly that there's seven parables of the Lord Jesus in Matthew 13, seven of them. The first four are outside in the open at the shore, and it looks as though those first four parables that the kingdom of God is a failure. Can't go through it all again tonight. But for example, the man sowed the seed in his field, and it's only one in four that he reaped the benefit from. If that was in economics today, it would be deemed a failure. But man in his carnal vision and natural eye has deemed it a failure. And again, the other parables are showing as if there's a failure in the kingdom 
of God. Last three parables show the hidden success of the kingdom of God. They show the sovereignty and the sovereign will of God in our nations, in the land, and in our world. And so we will show you, maybe God willing, a little more of that as we go along. Take note of the word. It's an important word for us again tonight. In verse 1, pardon me, our first verse, verse 24, another parable put he forth unto them, saying, the kingdom of heaven. Now, he's not speaking about the heaven of heavens where God's abode is. He's speaking about it on earth because there's the field, because the enemy comes and sows among the wheat. So he's speaking about the kingdom of God on the earth. He put forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat, and he went his way. Remember the word here for enemy is ekthros. Why is that important? Because the enemy comes to sow the tares, and the tares are evident. The wheat are the children of God. Here Israel He's saying, you're my children. To you and I tonight, he's saying, you're my children. The Lord Jesus Christ died for us to redeem us. Take note here. Ekthros means to be actively hostile and opposing God, being a bitter enemy to his divine government. Now, that's important because our nations were built on divine government through the Word of God. Our laws were established in divine government in the Word of God. Our nations, being once known as Christian nations, they were based on the Word of God and the divine government from the Word of God. And sadly, terribly, tragically, they have fallen far from God, especially Ulster, this little nation that was under the rule of God, the Word of God in the streets, the Word of God in every church almost, the Word of God in our schools and assemblies, the Word of God taught to our children, where the very society, even if they weren't personally saved, sent their children out to hear the Word of God. And now it's all falling by the wayside, and God is not revered nor wanted anymore. And they are actively hostile. People's minds have been blinded by the God of this world. And the devil has blinded them well that they do not see their need of Christ. Take note, Ekthros, actively hostile and opposing God being a bitter enemy to his divine government. The subtle one from Genesis, it means, and his seed after him, and his seed after him. But while men slept, the leadership of the church in the United Kingdom, we can't say Ireland because they were under Roman rule, in the United Kingdom and in our province of Ulster, they have been sleeping for years And while they have been sleeping, the enemy has come in and sowed tares among them that now even the churches, the established churches, the established denominations in our land, especially in the mainland, have fallen so far from God that no longer is marriage between a man and woman held in such high esteem but rather they are accepting what's known as gay marriage. It is against the Word of God. It is opposite to the Word of God. And so they have fallen far from the Word of God. They are even in some areas accepting abortion of the baby in the womb murder 
of an infant who cannot speak nor defend themselves. And hence, they are tares among the church leadership, tares among the church itself. And they have infiltrated. They are godless and they are far away from him. Even we are hearing more and more, especially in the Roman Catholic Church, we are hearing it even more and more in the established Church of England. We're hearing of pedophiles in the church. We're hearing of those who have robbed the children of their innocence. Little children of their innocence and ruined and destroyed their lives, claiming themselves as men of God. They're demons and they're devils and they'll burn in hell. God's people, so-called, are trying to cover it up. Brethren, can I make one point here? Brethren, sisters, but brethren, if anyone comes to tell me and you admit that you have damaged a child, I will report you. I will report you. Notice this. While men slept, his enemy came. And government, our governments have been sleeping, comatose, and they're dead. While we find that the communists are now in government. All we have to do is look at Stormont. All we have to do is hear their talk. And they all come together. They all, the parties come together in wickedness against God's word and his divine government. And I'm sorry to say this, but sadly many of so-called Christians in the government are now ruling over I'm playing dead. Here we find church, leadership, government, people in general are asleep. And the enemy has come into our shores. And now this little bastion of evangelical Protestantism called Northern Ireland. Ulster, the province, has now become a cesspit and has now become a pit for vipers. And it has fallen far from where the Lord had her, sitting in the throne of the gospel. And now it has fallen far until the enemies of Ulster are now telling us how to live. My brothers and sisters, I make no apology for saying that. I will make no apology to any man from anywhere who have and who are tearing down the very heritage that we have been given from God. Take note here. What must we do? In Ephesians 5 and 14, Paul tells us very clearly Awake thou that sleepest, and rise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. In the dark corners of Scotland, where John Knox thundered out the gospel of grace, in the deepest, dire city of London, where Spurgeon and Whitfield and Wesley all heralded, heralded out the gospel of saving grace and the law of God for the land. To Wales, to Northern Ireland, that had the revivals from God. We are to awake out of our sleep, for we have been lulled into sleep and into darkness. Christian, it's time 
it is time to awake. And the subtitle of my message tonight is, Are You Awake Yet? Maybe you will be a little more as we go through this evening. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 13, please. Verses 11 to 14. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we believe. Verse 12. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. You can read the rest of the verses in your own time. Paul says that knowing the time. The problem is, Paul, we don't know the time. God to many believers, so-called, has become some sort of Santa Claus in the sky. God no longer has wrath, they say. And God will no longer judge the nations, they say. And God has done away with his law, they say. And that is what's wrong with our nation. And that's what's wrong with our people. And that's what's wrong with our land. And that knowing the time it is now, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than we believe. The night is far spent. I think the night is well far spent now, Paul. I think the night is well far spent to the point where Christ is even at the doors. And this Laodicean, lukewarm church age in which we are in, which makes Jesus want to spew us out of his mouth. lies back in its comfort and it does not take its stand for Christ. Brothers and sisters, we may live in the Laodicean age, but we don't have to live like the Laodicean age. And so in Matthew 13, we have the four parables outside, the three parables at the end, are inside to his disciples. And the world seems to think the kingdom of God is a failure. We're going to look at that in a moment. The world tends to think that, well, you know, there's hardly anyone left, and there's, you know, there's hardly any, not too many going to church, and oh, they're fading away. Listen, brothers and listen, sisters. Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Here we find that they think and many Christians believe with their own mentality. They listen to the propaganda. They listen to the propaganda every day on the radio. The one-sided propaganda. And the points of view. Well, this is how we must live. Controlling the masses through media. And they tell us, you might as well give up your beat. Brothers and sisters, to our dying breath. Until our last breath leaves our lungs, we will serve the Lord. Take note here. They think that they are winning. They think the kingdom of darkness is on the victory side. But I can tell you, we have read the back of the book. And Christ is coming to set up his kingdom. And I believe the night is far spent and the day is at hand. Do you believe that, brothers and sisters? We believe it with all our hearts. I notice here, please take note. Will you turn with me to the book of Isaiah, please? Israel is in a terrible state and we want to look. And you tell me, is this not Britain? United Kingdom, Ireland, America, Canada, and so on. You tell me, is this not the nations of today? There are six woes, six woes in Isaiah chapter 5. 
and we're going to look at them briefly, that we can see, Lord, it's happening right here and now. This is what's been going on for the last, especially 100 years in our nation. Ulster being the last place, a little spot outside of Europe. Some might say it's still in Europe. Standing for the truth. And now they're trying to rip her to bits. To take her away from her divine birthright. The first woe is in verse 8. The second woe is in verse 11. The third woe is in verse 18. Then verse 20 is number 4. 21 is number 5. And the sixth woe is in verse 22. Let's look at them briefly. The first woe, please, in verse 8. Woe unto them that join house to house, that lay field to field till there be no place, that they may be placed alone in the midst of the earth. Woe unto them that join house to house, that lay field to field. I looked this up in a, in a man, he died about 1990s, around about that time. He's called Howard Rand. He was a, a, a very astute professor. And he had written a commentary, and there's only 26 chapters of it because he died before he finished it. Listen to what he says in this. The greediness of those who gain power with their wealth. They're crowding out less fortunate ones and had come to the attention of the Lord in the cries of the oppressed and the destitute. In other words, the elitist through government start building, as it were, house against house. Do you know God didn't want you to live in a terraced house? I grew up in one, by the way. Good people. It's nothing about the people. House to house, in other words, you just get a bit of a field and a bit of a field, and there's no room. And when you take it in our cities and in the back streets of Belfast or any other city, house to house, there's no room to grow. And all you hear today is, we need more housing. We need more housing. And so the government steps in as their savior to build them the housing that they want. This is communism. The Lord says, woe unto them, for in there, house to house, that's where there's upsurges of violence. House to house in those places, and again, I grew up in them. That's where addictions are taking hold of people, mainly. That's where violence is on the increase. That's where deprivation is. That's where poverty is. That's where the oppressed are. And the government, through the borrowing of money of the elitists, they're gaining the power. They're gaining the ground. And they are gaining the finance. And the people are in poverty more, more, and more. You watch your news and tell me if this is not so of our British Isles tonight. You watch and tell me, are we not living in these days? The second woe is in verse 11, please. Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink, that continue until night, till wine inflame them, and the harp and the viol and the tabret and the pipe and the wine are in their feasts, but they regard not the work of the Lord, neither consider the operation of his hands. Here God starts to point out the addiction and the party attitude of the people, the culture that it has become. The Lord said to the northern kingdom of Israel, it said again to our nation tonight, he said under the name of Ephraim, 
he says, Woe to the drunkards of Ephraim, whose glorious beauty has become as a fading flower. Woe to the drunkards of Ephraim, Britain. Woe to them whose glory as an empire in the world with clout has now shriveled up like a fading flower. Is that not our day we're living in? The culture of drunkardness? Again, they say that means work hard to play hard. The culture of indulgence and intoxication was rife in Israel and the nation, and so much so that the Lord is completely forgot about. Queen Victoria was asked by an Indian prince, what is the secret of England's greatness at the height of the empire? And so Queen Victoria, as the Indian prince bows before her, hands him a copy of the King James Version of the Word of God, and she says, this is the secret of England's greatness. And brothers and sisters, from then till now, there's been a downward slope and the Westminster government, the Westminster politicians, Boris Johnson, you can just write liar across his head. That's our prime minister. He lied to the people of Ulster. He sold us out to Europe. A one world New World Order beast of conglomerate nations. And now, as I said last week, there's a land grab of Europe grabbing hold, as it were, through the Republic of Ireland to hold on to our land. And you can be assured they hate the gospel. Ulster's not for sale. No surrender. Notice this. It means they are addicted to entertainment and it's not just a pastime but a lifestyle. Said again, it's not just a pastime but a lifestyle. There's more to partying and entertainment, brothers and sisters, because here they forgot God. And you can party all you want, friend. Listen, I don't care if you're saying you're a Protestant, you're a loyalist, you're a unionist, or you're a Catholic, a nationalist, a Republican, or anything else. If you're not saved, you're lost. You're without Christ. They take no thought of God. Our people in our land hate him. But a people without hope in this life cannot find a way to see any of hope for a next life. And so they just go on and their problems, their pain is numbed, but they are in intoxication and they're lost. When people are told that they come from mud puddles, expect them to live no other way than as though they just come out of water. When people are told they have been, they have come from monkeys, then expect them that they may live like that. When people are told and influenced in their thoughts that there's no afterlife, no heaven or no hell and no eternal life, and then they may destroy this life because they have become indulgent in their lifestyle. They are full of hedonism and humanism. When people are controlled, when people are controlled by an elitist group, a governing body, not from the head of our nation down, saying you cannot support yourself. You make your mind up, but we will help you. And after you've made your mind up, you will realize we will take everything from you 
and we will make you happy. That's the third part of the Great Reset. One is green. I didn't mention the green party last week, I was told. Is that right, Jeremiah? The whole green agenda is part of the Great Reset of the elitists. And the government and their communism, they may not be in your face flying red, red flags, but their ethos is the same because they are being manipulated and paid off by elitists in the New World Order. Notice here, when people are programmed and taught and told throughout their lives there is no God, then that said people live as though there is no God. Oh, we came from a mud puddle. All of a sudden we formed a couple of fins that turned into arms and legs. And you crawled out. <laughs> See when you think of it. And you crawled out and across the land and you realize it's you needed to get faster so we were able to run in hand and foot. And then you stood upright and then you done all of this. And when you tell people this, there is no God, there is no afterlife. It was all a big bang and everything that we know came out of nothing that was there. And they say we're mad for believing in God. And when they are told that, brothers and sisters, then they start to realize there's no moral code. There's no moral code. We'll talk about it in a moment. Let's look at the next woe, please. The third woe, verse 18. Woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity and sin, as it were, with a cart rope. What on earth does that mean? The prophet speaks against these people, Israel, who are persevering not in God, but persevering in their sin. Habitually, continually, it's a lifestyle. The prophet speaks and he marks it out as if they were wishing to provoke the Lord and his divine judgment upon them. And that's what you see today. You see them, whether it's on videos of the, them out preaching the gospel in the street. And they come right up to them and they provoke them to their face. They're not provoking the preacher. They're provoking the Lord. Wherever you look, they are provoking God. And they are asking or provoking him to bring his divine government if he be God. Brothers and sisters, I have to say my heart breaks and fears for these people because one day divine government is coming and he will come to set up his kingdom. John Calvin said these words. You tell me, oh Calvin, 500 years ago, you tell me if you wouldn't think he's standing here preaching to you tonight with these words about our nation. They flatter themselves by imagining that what is sin is not sin. Or by some excuse or idle pretense they lessen its enormity. Then these are cords, wicked ropes, by which they draw their iniquity. Small beginnings to a great magnitude. In other words, cords to ropes. Pulling their sin, and their sin is their own. If you're not saved, your sin's your own. Let us go to the next woe, the fourth, verse 20. 
Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness. For, for light and darkness for light and light for darkness that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Pardon me, I couldn't see that there. Brothers and sisters, it simply gives the idea of this. They use clever and deceptive deceptive words. They use clever and deceptive words. They blur moral issues. They have no moral bar and they excuse their sin. Good is evil and evil is good and darkness is light and light is darkness not. Isaiah is describing the deep state of moral confusion. They have everything upside down and back to front. Perversion of the truth, distortion and misapplication of the facts, deceit and delusion are scarcely recognized for what they actually are. In other words, everything is topsy-turvy. And the media, and the reporters, on the news, on the social media, on society, in your street and in mine, in your town and in mine. They're saying this. There's nothing wrong with this lifestyle. There's nothing wrong with being like this. There's nothing wrong with this and that and the other. When all along the Word of God says that it is unnatural And it is wrong to kill a baby in the womb. And every Christian keeps their mouth closed. Pastor, you don't want to rock the boat tonight. Too late. Is it not time we opened our mouths and the government are telling us how to live? And here's what they'll do eventually in the long run. They will take everything you have and they will give you a certain amount. And when they do that, they become your savior. You will need them more than anything else. And they will say, see, you be happy. There's no moral code. Listen, your moral code might be different than my moral code, and my moral code might be different than someone else's moral code. What standard do we go here with morals? What is the bar we have to reach? Because one might think, one might think to have 20 wives is all right. 20 mother-in-laws is even worse. (laughs) I get on with my mother-in-law, okay, she's sitting here and have to be good. Some might say, and this is what's coming. Ah, can't help myself the way I live. I just fancy children. That's happening. That's their moral code. And who are you to tell me that my moral code is wrong just because you think it's different than mine? What makes you so sure that your moral code's any better. One might say, well, I just, I'm very into a lot of pornography and it's all right because it doesn't really do me any harm. And another one might come along and say, well, my moral code is that I detest animals and I torture them. My moral code is that I beat my wife and she deserves it. My moral code is that I can go out and cheat on my husband as many times as I like. That's my moral code. And who are you to tell me any different? And that's what's happening. So what is the bar? There's it. And everyone stick by it. And now we have the bar, the moral code. But it's being taken out of society. It's being taken out of our land taken out of schools, out of colleges, out of universities, taken out of the homes of people. 
And so no one has a moral code. We have no guidance without the Word of God. There's no guidance without the law of God in the land. You see, if I was the prime minister, can't imagine me as the prime minister, couldn't you? <laughs> do you see if I was the prime minister, the first thing I'd do, I'd get the biggest headstone looking tablets, two of them, and I would have carved in the Ten Commandments and stick them right at the doors of Westminster. You know why? Because they'd see them. You're a sinner. That's what I'd do. Everything is twisted. Words are twisted. They're turned. Morals are twisted upside down. Now, brothers and sisters, here's what we find. That the good is evil. The evil is good. Darkness is now light. Light is now darkness. And you as a Christian, you as a blood-washed, born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're the bigot. I told you before, bigot means, used to call the reformers bigots. That means the begotten ones, begotties. And used to call the reformers, it means begotten of God. That's where it comes from, the word bigots. When someone calls you a bigot, say, praise the Lord, I'm begotten of God. That's what it means. That's where it comes from. See how they've turned it around and twisted it? As if you're a person of hate and malice. We don't look at people with hate and malice. But what we do is we see the sin and the poverty of our nation and we're wanting to love the Lord Jesus Christ more. And so let us look then the sixth woe, please. Pardon me, the fifth woe. Verse 21. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. <laughs> the word prudent is here. It's the word bin. Bin. B-I-Y-N. And it means one who within themselves really understand. Deep down in the heart of man, there's a conscience. In the heart of woman, there's a conscience. And they know they're not right with God. They can argue, they can protest, they can fight. They can be malicious and all of these things against God's word and his people. But I tell you, this word means that they really understand they're prudent and they think themselves right, but really knowing they're wrong. That's why there's such venom against him. Let's go to the sixth woe now. Verse 22. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine. Here he mentions it again. Notice, but he changes it and he says, and men of strength to mingle strong drink. And so these men are men of accomplishment, men in the higher excellence of society. I'm going to go somewhere here for a moment. I want you to think about this. Who's heard of Pizza Gate? One, two, three, four, five, yes. See all those of achievement, let's put it that way, of the echelons, of the higher echelons in society. Pop stars, movie stars, famous people, sports stars, multi, multi-millionaires, famous around the world have a clean-cut image even. They're, they are involved in child sex rings. They have their wild, drunken 
orgies and parties. And the children, children are the ones who are paying the price. remember one time when I was pastoring in Dublin and I'd come up every week to Whitewell to have a meeting with all the pastors with Pastor McConnell and I received this phone call in the office so I go to the office and I left the phone call the, the phone and there was a man on the phone he sounded very pleasant and he sounded very nice and he actually sounded like he was well educated but as time went on I said sorry who are you he told me his name. I says, what can I do for you? He says, I'm in McGilligan prison. Put a good voice on for it. I'm in McGilligan prison. And I've been here because I was charged with pedophilia. But I'm getting out soon and I'm moving to Dublin and I'd like to come to your church. I says, Okay. When he got out and he told me, I says, how do you feel about your crime? Oh, he says, those two girls were my nieces and they made me do it. I says, you'll burn in hell. You'll burn in hell. He was furious at me down the phone. He says, ah, oh, some pastor and some Christian you are. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? He started shouting at me down the phone. I says, listen, friend, I'll tell you what Jesus said. He says, for the, I says, for the like of you, he says, go on to them that hurt any of the least of these little ones. It were better for him that a millstone was hanged around his neck and he was cast into the depths of the sea. That's what he said. filthy pervert put the phone down and I never heard from him again told you today I'm going to maybe stand in corns and say a few things we're not even finished yet let me get through this these are men of accomplishment and high achievement verse 23 says which justify notice justify the wicked for reward They're paid off. Our judicial system is a joke. Our judicial system is a joke. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God. And to me, this is speaking of our land tonight. The judicial system is a joke. which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. Isaiah is covering almost everything we are seeing today in our land and in our nation. And so the woes are divided like this. One, the greedy elites are covetous. Two, the pleasure seekers are spoken of and warned. Three, the skeptics are told that get right with God. Four, the preachers of falsehood and darkness are also warned of their fate. Five, the self-righteous are told to repent. And six, the unjust leaders and men of accomplishment have coming to them what is their just reward. So, but while man slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat Notice and went his way. The enemy has been sowing his tares from the echelons of elitism through government right into our schools and colleges, right into the church body, into society. We live in a nation in which God is not feared. The glory of God is not honored. 
The holiness of God is not reverenced. The greatness of God is not admired. The power of God is not praised. The truth of God is not sought. The wisdom of God is not esteemed. The beauty of God is not treasured. The goodness of God is not savored. The faithfulness of God is not trusted. The commandments of God are not obeyed. The justice of God is not respected. The wrath of God is not feared. The grace of God is not cherished. And the presence of God is not praised. Listen to this. In his book, Ellie Maxwell, he wrote a book called Abandoned to Christ. Now, this was wrote maybe 50, 60 years ago. He was president and principal of the Prairie Bible Institute, Canada's premier missionary training center. And he wrote, quoting some very illuminating confessions of certain individuals which were communists. One was a die-hard supporter of communism and stayed that way throughout all his days. The second was a die-hard supporter of communism, but then was saved by sovereign grace through faith in Christ. Let me quote the die-hard communist, the first one. I quote him. Listen to this. We do not play with words. We are realists. Of our salaries and wages, we keep that which is strictly necessary and give up the rest for propaganda purposes. To this propaganda, we also consecrate all our free time and a part of our holidays. You Christians, however, give only a little time and hardly any money for the spreading of the gospel of Christ. Believe me, it is we who will win, for we believe in our communist message. We are ready to sacrifice everything, even our life, but you people are afraid to soil your hands. It's a communist to the church. What an indictment to us. We only take a little of our wage, what's only necessary, and we give it for propaganda. That's communism. Do you know who does that in Ulster? The Shinners. I'm talking out of school here, they do, because they're Marxists. Communism, brothers and sisters, did not die at the the dismantling of the Soviet Union. Communism resurfaced in the West under the name of democracy. What about Joe Biden? The Democrats there. Look at their policies. Democracy here. The party's up in Toy Town, as I've called it, in Stormont. Almost all, but one probably, maybe two, are sold out to communism. We think we look at Russia, we look at China, we look at North Korea, we look at Vietnam, we look at Cuba, so on and so on. It's here. And their aim and their goal is to destroy the church and our nation. I quote the second one as we round this message up. His name is J. Vivian Chambers. He's also known as David Whitaker. He was an ardent communist who came to saving faith in 1961. Sorry, for his death in 1961. Listen to what he says even then. How much more apathetic and indifferent have Christians become over the past six decades? This is a sad indictment upon modern Christianity. What has Christianity truly accomplished over the last 70 years? And what has communism accomplished? The communists have resurrected the self-sacrificing faith that Christianity once had. Through their motives, 
Our, though their motives are wrong and their morals non-existent, they, are at le- they at least fight for what they believe in. How many Christians can say that? How many patriotic Christians surrender to evil without a whimper? That was before he died in 1961. He says six decades. See if you take six decades back to the very beginning of the 1900s. 1917, you had the Bolshevik Revolution, communism, killed the Tsar of Russia. They all had the, the Tsar and his family were, were murdered. Some of them escaped. Christians wiped out millions of Christians there in Russia. Red Russia it became. Soviet Union it became. Mao Zedong, the Chinese, was in university. He takes the teachings of communism, of Marxism, brings them to China. He brings them to China, and he starts a communist party in China. He becomes known as the chairman, Mao Zedong. Communism grows in China. The Chinese nationalists are fighting against it, and they're pushed out, listen, to where? Taiwan! Look at your news today, past the COVID, if you can see past it. If you can hear anything else but it, look at your news. Go and research it. Taiwan and China are about to go to war. America backs them up because they were the nationalist Chinese who were against communism. And America and I are bringing their fleets there. Britain. America, Australia have now made a pact to put nuclear submarines in the north coast of Australia to protect the seas there. This is all coming from this because they want globalization to take over the world and the communist bankers are reaping it in. The Rothschilds, the Bilderbergers. And while you and I were sleeping, or maybe even blinded by the COVID experience, all of this has taken place and ready to go. You don't really hear about it, so you don't. That's why France is angry at Britain, because they had a multi billion pound deal with Australia. Here's what we thought for you. You know they say there's a petrol crisis, a, a fuel crisis. They can't get lorry drivers to say. Here's just a little thought. If you look up and study, fuel starts to lose its potency to work properly after one year. Now, when everyone was told to stay at home, there was tanks, load of fuel. It was never used. What are they going to do with this multi-billion, this multi-billions of fuel? I know. Let's put it into the cars. Now that they're out and about, tell them there's no fuel and they'll stock up on it and get it out of our tanks. And then when that dies down, we'll do it again. And then when that dies down, we'll bring in the good stuff again. Just a thought. Oh, time's gone. Man. I'll close with this. Evan Hopkins in his book, The Law of Liberty and the Spiritual Life, he wrote it in 1910. He was an English clergyman, missionary, founder of the Keswick Convention. This is what he wrote. God does not turn goats, dogs, or pigs into sheep. He's talking about those who think God's word will change to suit society, that God's word will change to suit the crowd. He writes, God's, God does not turn goats, dogs, or pigs into sheep. God does not turn tares into wheat. God does not turn thistles into figs or thorns into grapes. God does not 
turn that which is immoral into moral, morality. God does not turn that which is unholy into holiness. God does not turn that which is evil into good. God does not turn that which is sin into non-sin. The very notion of such is an abomination. God does not turn such things that offend him into things that please him. He draws an eternal distinction between them. He separates them one from another. He will eventually remove and destroy those things that offend him. He can do no other. It is what his holiness demands. Society's saying, well, God, you know, God's word will change to allow me this. Whether that's homosexual, heterosexual, or a metrosexual, or whatever other sex, I don't know what they all are. Or whether that's the, uh, the drunkard or the druggie or whatever. Ah, oh, I'll be all right like this because... Because God, his word doesn't mean what it says. Friend, if someone is not saved, they will die in their sins. They will go to a lost eternity. Please bear with me and thank you for your attention. I just want to point this out. This is very important. Before we close, let's go to our reading in Matthew 13. Notice here in our reading Verse 24, another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. So it's his field. Do you know what the field is? This is how we know. Speaking of today, Jesus gives us the revelation of this parable. Let your eye run down to verse 37, please. He's now going into the house. He sends away the multitude. He speaks to his elect and to his own. He answered and said unto them, He that sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. Verse 38, what is the field? He tells us the field is the world. The field, so the tares are in our world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. He's speaking here of Israel. He's speaking of the elect of God here, of you, and he's speaking of me. The field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one, or if you want, the poneros, the malignant one. And you've seen his malignancy tonight going through all of society. So what happens Verse 39, the enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend. That means the word there for offense is anomaly, And it means to transgress God's law, to sin. And them which do Iniquity, the word there for iniquity is scandalon, who are scandalous with their lifestyle, who are scandalous in their living, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. I pray tonight, you write Daniel 12, Read all of Daniel 12. I think it's about verse 3 onward. And you'll see all this prophesied in Daniel. Brothers and sisters, you and I really need to take stock of what's happening and ask the Lord to pour out a mighty outpouring of his Holy Spirit. And if someone's not saved tonight, well, what about me? I don't want to be cast into the lake of fire. I can tell you, Jesus paid the debt at Calvary. And Jesus went all the way and shed his precious blood that you might be saved and forgiven. Doesn't matter your past. Doesn't matter what you've done. He can cleanse you from all sin. He can change your heart. He gives you a new birth, a new heart, a new mind. Gives you new desires. Christ will wash you in 
welcome you into his kingdom. He loves you. And he died for you. I trust tonight. This is God's word written all that time and it's happening tonight. I trust you'll see that this word is truth. Absolute truth. And so you must be born again and saved if you want to be in the kingdom of God when Christ returns again. May God bless you tonight. And you want to see me tonight or one of the elders or someone you're with, please don't leave without knowing Christ. We'll point you to the Savior. Team, would you come up, please? Thank you for your attention. That was a bit long tonight, but there was so much in it. I was thinking of doing another night, but I thought I'll do that and wrap it up, and that will do us. We'll go to something else next week as the Lord leads. God bless us all.